Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well-being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart. And this show is most definitely all about the heart. Today, I have the great pleasure of welcoming um, somebody to the show who has been here before and whose work I greatly revere, am inspired by, and continue to share with my own clients in my own practice. Mark Nepo has moved and inspired readers and seekers from all over the world with his number one New York Times bestseller, The Book of Awakening. He is a beloved poet, teacher, and storyteller. Mark has been called one of the finest spiritual guides of our time, a consummate storyteller, an eloquent spiritual teacher. His work is widely accessible and used by many, and his books have been translated into more than 20 languages. Mark was part of Oprah Winfrey's The Life You Want Tour in 2014 and has appeared several times with Oprah on her Super Soul Sunday program on OWN TV or OWN TV, depending upon how you want to call it. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for coming to join us again. Oh, you're so welcome. It's great to be back. Ah, it's wonderful. You have uh, had a prolific past 12 months. Um, This past November, Inside the Miracle, Enduring Suffering, Approaching Wholeness was published. And your latest book, The One Life We're Given, Finding the Wisdom That Waits in Your Heart, is about to be published by Atria. Yes, it's, it's all a blessing. You know, it's it's like planting a garden, and you you never know how long different different things will take to to grow. And so, after all these years, you know, I've I've always worked on uh, m- many books at once, um, and they kind of cross pollinate each other. And and um, and so the these last couple of years, many have have been kind of blossoming within range of each other. Well, you've tipped. It sounds like you've planted such a robust um, garden, you know, and and now the fruits are being born. Well, it's interesting, you know, and I'm learning my, my father who passed away three years ago at 93 was a master woodworker. And, and now that he's gone, I'm realizing ways that I work like him that I didn't know. And uh, I don't know that he knew he taught them and I didn't know that I was learning them, but he had in his basement workshop, he had six vices and he had a different project always in each one. And he'd go to one and then he'd work on the other. And while one would be gluing and setting, he'd go playing the, the other project. And now I realize all these years later, that's though he didn't really understand writing or poetry. That's, I think, why I work on many books, uh, projects at once. And is 
this not a, a way of being or a way of living that you just described that is one that we encompass um, with our feelings, with our, within our lives. In other words, things happen in, in the real physical world that may not be pleasant. And at the same time, there are things going on concurrently that may be quite pleasant. And if we look at each one of these as a project of a certain kind, that doesn't mean we um, discard that which is unpleasant or minimize that which is pleasant, that we can live together with them. Well, absolutely, and I, I feel, you know, I, through my life and my experience that, that it's our, the totality of our humanity is perhaps our greatest gift. And while it's understandable that when difficult things arise, nobody signs up for that, nobody likes it, nobody likes when they're in fear or pain or worry, and um, however, life with all its gifts and its resources, comes in its wholeness, you know, its totality, its unity. And it's much like water. You know, water we learn at an early age uh, in school is made of hydrogen and oxygen. But you can't separate it out and have it still be water. I can't say to you, oh, I just like the hydrogen, please. Um, <laughs> And even if you could separate it for me, it would cease being water and it would stop being quenching. And I think this is one of the paradoxes of life that, you know, um, everything comes all knit together. And somehow I think that's so that we need each other a little bit and, and a lot and that it kind of ensures the journey of love. I think in our time... You know, things are always coming together and always falling apart. And, but we live in a time that is obsessed, I would say addicted, to the noise of things falling apart. And so, you know, you, all you have to do is look at the news or, or weather. You know, it used to be called Weather Report. And now, at least where I live, it's called Storm Watch. And, um, and there's more weather than storms. There always has been. And I think that um, we need, I don't think we need a alternate good news station. I think we need all the news. I think we need whole news. I think as much as we report on what falls apart, we need to report on the wonder, the beauty, the surprise, the love, the compassion, um, because it's all of it that balances, uh, that balances our our lives and makes resilience possible. In uh, your, not the latest book that we're talking about, The One Life We're Given, but the one prior, Inside the Miracle, you sure. talk about the expressive journey of healing and about what is not expressed is depressed. This is very valuable. Well, that's, you know, it's, it's again something that I've, I've learned and we're just really comparing notes. No one knows how to do this. Um, <laughs> and, and that's the wonderful thing is we get to compare notes on what it is to be here. But I think, I think this is, this is profound that has come to me as, you know, I started out, um, you know, my natural inclination was to be a writer and a poet. And so of course, going to school and, uh, you know, I was first taught that if I devoted myself, you know, the, the idea was to achieve excellence and, and in some way maybe, maybe write one or two things that might be considered worthwhile or great. Well, then, you know, cancer came along and turned me inside out in my mid-30s. And I woke up on the other side realizing that it wasn't about whether I wrote anything great or not. Instead of trying to create great poems, I had to discover true expressions that would help me live. And everything shifted. And I learned that it's the health of expression that, that is dear and precious. Because just take how we breathe. You can't just inhale or just exhale. You have to have a rhythm of, and, and similarly with the heart, the heart has to perceive and express. You can't just perceive 
you'll explode. And you can't just express all your, you'll turn blue. And so we, we have to constantly bring things in us and through us and out. And never knowing what that's going to be, if it's honest expression, but it's the expression that is healing. And there are several examples of this, you know, that are so profound uh, that when we're truly expressing our heart, we don't know what we're going to say. You know, if we stop rehearsing when we're with each other. Um, and, you know, the famous uh, poem by, uh, by John Keats, Ode on a Grecian Urn, you know, that, that's an amazing example because, you know, we all learned that in high school and... Um, and really, we'd never even, we would never even read that poem if it weren't for the last two lines that says, you know, all you know in this world is truth and beauty, beauty and truth, and that's all you need to know. And you have to understand that John Keats was 24. He had just finished, he was a doctor, didn't practice yet, was just transforming into some maturity as a poet, and he had tuberculosis. And he was dying. And he, he just was in an apartment in Rome uh, trying to take all this in when he felt overwhelmed by life, understandably. And he looked at me in his apartment and there was this, this urn, this Grecian urn. And he just understandably said, oh, God, let me out of here. I can't take this. I, just let me be on the urn. You know, we've all felt that at times. And so expressing himself... The strength of his expression opened his heart. And if it was just a lament about the urn, we wouldn't even read it now. But somehow the depth of his feeling allowed him to see this truth. And all of a sudden, at the end, he says, you know, all it is is beauty and truth. Truth and beauty. That's all we have and that's all we will have. And another great example of the power of, of honest expression of the heart is Beethoven. You know, Beethoven, as we know, was this immense genius of music, bringing music never heard in the world, into the world. But he went deaf by the time he was 28. So imagine that you are the recipient of music that has never, ever been on earth, and you're never going to be able to hear it played. And this, this just depressed him so much to the point that in 1802, he, he, he was contemplating suicide. And he went on a kind of a personal retreat, really, where he thought he would commit suicide. And he wrote a letter that he was going to leave for his brothers. It's known as the Heligenstadt Testament because that was the little village he went to have this quiet personal retreat. And as he's writing this letter... He writes this letter, which is so, oh, just, you know, heart-wrenching and really intending to commit suicide at the end of it. But the depth of his heart opening up to the truth of what he was going through, all of a sudden it takes a turn like Keats. And at the end he's saying, not that he's going to kill himself, he says, so I'm going to go back to Vienna and I'll make the most music I can with what I have for as long as I can. And he goes back to Vienna and he tucks that letter in his desk drawer and begins to have the most creative decade of any composer that ever lived, just masterpiece after masterpiece. And that letter was never found until he died in his 50s, after his death in the back of that desk drawer. Wow. All, all testaments to when we open our heart and speak what is true for us, no matter how painful, that opens us to a depth of resilience and resources that we didn't know we had. We are going to need to take a break. To learn more about the magnificent writing of Mark Nepo, please visit www.marknepo.com. On Facebook, that page is Mark Nepo. And on Twitter, the handle is at Mark Nepo. Once again, the books are Inside the Miracle, Enduring Suffering, Approaching Wholeness, and the latest book, The One Life We're Given, Finding the Wisdom That Waits in Your Heart. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back, and that's a promise. I want 
We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? It's kind, it's free, it's legal, it's available 24-7. And we're talking with Mark Nepo about honest expression of the heart and celebrating his latest book, The One Life We're Given, Finding the Wisdom That Waits in Your Heart. Mark Prior to going to break, you told uh, a wonderful story, really, about finding one's truth in expression. And um, I want to just carry on the conversation as it relates to your latest book about tapping into that heart space, tapping into truth, authenticity of expression that leads us to the human experience that is wrought with the good and the bad and and what we are here to come to know. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's humbling and amazing that it doesn't really matter how much we learn or know. I mean, no one is exempt from this messy and magnificent journey of being human. And and the purpose I think of wisdom is not so that for us to have a shortcut in the human journey. It's to support us in our turn. Everyone since the beginning of time, has had to experience this whole, this whole unbelievable journey. And I think, you know, <clears throat> I think, you know, a curious thing happened to me on the other side of my, a blessed thing uh, among many, on the other side of my cancer journey is that, you know, before my cancer, I'm 65, I turned 65 last month, and, um, and when I was in my 30s, when I entered my before my cancer journey I was a driven artist young artist and through no wisdom on my part when I woke up on the other side still blessed to be here I lost my drive it was very confusing I I thought I'd lost access to my creativity but I came to learn as I became more oriented in in more and closer to life that I was now drawn to things not driven and there was joy, more joy in creating. And it was actually more of a conversation with life than me creating something out of nothing. And so, you know, the way a river, <clears throat> like say the Mississippi, has a fast current <clears throat> and it makes a lot of noise. You can hear that current as it runs through its narrow, <clears throat> sometimes wide, but through its banks. But when it reaches the mouth of the, of the sea 
of the ocean. That current <coughs> doesn't disappear. <coughs> Excuse me. That current doesn't disappear. The current goes deeper, and it's still there, and it joins everything, but it, it stops making a lot of noise. And this is what I learned over months after my cancer journey had happened to my creativity. It had flowed and joined a greater depth. And so now I was drawn to things and not driven. And so all of this to say that the wisdom that waits in our heart is ready to surface when we work with what we're given and stay in relationship to everything. And that we, it's fine, I think, you know, we all need to have dreams and goals and ambitions, but I think we're taught to hold on to them too tightly as if they're the destinations. When I'm discovering after all these years, it's our aliveness that's the destination. And the dreams and the goals and the ambitions are like kindling that we throw on the fire that comes from our heart. They're all meant to exercise the heart in its aliveness. And that, in fact, like a match, that, that a wooden match that you would strike, you know, to light a fire. Our gifts are like a match. And they only show their light when we strike them against the needs of the world. Mm. That is beautiful. Truly beautiful. And that's why you are the poet. <laughs> you know, but I, you said something that is so um, powerful. The aliveness is the destination. That, you know, we are so busy writing lists, making plans, uh, striving to execute goals with a myriad of action steps. And when you distill it down to the essence... It is that aliveness, that journey, and that willing to willingness to be present for it is what I think I hear you speaking of. Yes, and, and so it doesn't really matter. I mean, we need to follow that aliveness, which will change in our lifetime because we are ever-changing and growing and dynamic. So, you know, it might be gardening for a decade, and then suddenly we're... We, we have an interest in cycling, you know, or, or suddenly we, you know, we love to have the pets and, and have a dog, a pup, raise a puppy, or we write books, or we learn dance, or, you know, we just love to have dinner parties with deep conversation. It really doesn't matter. And it's so interesting because, you know, when we're, when we're young, and, and so it's a balance of being and doing. There's nothing inherently wrong with doing. We focus a lot on being in our culture because we're so out of balance with doing. But being and doing are like a left and a right leg. You need both to walk. So um, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, imagine, you know, we, we as, as children, we show a gift for something, you know, we, and someone says, oh, you have a nice voice. You should become a singer. Oh, you, you express yourself, you write, you should become a writer, or you like to have your hands in the earth, you should become a gardener. And there's nothing inherently wrong with these things, but notice that the instruction is to become a noun, to yes. become a thing. The aliveness is in staying a verb. If you love to sing, just sing. If you love to move, just dance. If you love to express yourself, just express and ask questions. And, you know, then the, the, what we create out of it will have its own natural course. But, um, but when we, and, and so this leads to a very interesting uh, dynamic or challenge that, you know, it is giving attention that brings us alive. It is getting attention that that we're taught gets us ahead. And while we need to experience both, we often lose sight that it's giving attention that is sacred. Yeah. It's getting attention that helps us navigate through the world. But when that, when that becomes the goal, 
we are out of balance and we do damage to our souls. This premise of giving attention that, that brings us alive, what comes to mind is you and I speak from a perspective or a place in our lives of having traveled, right? We, we're, we're travelers of life. And we, we know things based upon empirical wisdom, time, our own experience. And yet this, these golden keys or these nuggets that you're sharing, if only, you know, I say, if only we could share this with the young, you could, our children or our grandchildren would be able to savor these kernels. But in a sense, it's not something that happens until we come to it ourselves. Yes. You know, this, this is the, the paradox of, of learning is that we certainly can learn from each other, but we can learn from each other only as example and encouragement. Um, we can't learn what matters except through direct experience. And yet if all we do is stay with our direct experience and never listen to anyone else, well, now we're talking about fundamentalism. And, and I would say even a personal fundamentalism is where we do not allow anything but our own experience in. And we reject anything that's not familiar. And so this is where we get back to comparing notes. You know, we only, um, and, and this is, un, uh, you know, it's a hard blessing, but, you know, suffering for human beings is like erosion for nature. Erosion wears nature to its inner beauty. Yes. And suffering does that to us if we can hold each other up to it. It's like the gravity or friction of the wheel of life that reveals what can't, what's irreducible in each of us. And it, it wears away what is false, or what is a distraction. And, and so, you know, only when we go through things like loss and, and confusion and pain and worry um, do we find the resilience for our inner resources to show themselves and do we, do we come to realize how precious everything is. And that's what can cancer did for me. And it doesn't have to be, you know, catastrophic. I mean, it's not to deify the disease or whatever the thing that, whatever, whatever opens us is never as important as what it opens. <laughs> so true. So true. I, I, I have to uh, smile because you're talking about the cancer journey and it's not a, it's not a smile worthy subject. But yet it is, we all have a cancer of one form or another that given the opportunity can break us wide open. Well, everyone, I believe uh, everyone will get the opportunity to be dropped into the depth of life where the real journey begins, where there is very little between us and life and the world and the inner world. And it doesn't really matter what drops us into the depth of life. It could be surprise, beauty, wonder, a disease, the loss of a relationship, um, the lo you know the loss of, of a loved one, uh, and it could also be something that's not even uh, uh, tied to a circumstance. You know, the great German poet Rilke, from his letters, we understand that he was in a, an attic in an apartment in Paris in his like late 20s, early 30s, when through no like circumstance, just all of a sudden, the world as he understood it just fell out from under him. And he mm -hmm. was disoriented and everything changed and he was dropped into the depth of life. And, and this is kind of the archetype or the part of the journey. Great love can drop us into that depth of life or great beauty. So it's not to say, you know, that everyone has to go through something terrible in order to be fully awake. Um, we, as human beings, we tend to grow by shedding what no longer works and by being broken open. And like X and Y chromosomes, we often 
are given a combination of those things. And we don't have to look for for ways to be broken open. We'll get our share. <laughs> <Nobody has laughs> That's so true. For it. <laughs> so true. We just have to commit to shedding what no longer works. Mark, we are out of time. That has flown by with light speed. And I invite you to come back and, and, and share time anytime because you're always such a pleasure and a delight. The book is The One Life We're Given, Finding the Wisdom That Awaits in Your Heart. That's the newest, which will be published in July by Atria. And the book proceeding, which is also quite new and fresh, is Inside the Miracle, Enduring Suffering, Approaching Wholeness. To learn more about Mark Nepo and his work, please visit marknepo.com. On Facebook, that page is Mark Nepo, and on Twitter, the handle is at Mark Nepo. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about approaching wholeness and perspective shifting through the power of the personal narrative. My next guest is Jen Crisanti. She's an acclaimed story and career consultant at Jen Crisanti Consultancy, Inc. She's a writing instructor for Writers on the Verge at NBC, blogger for the Huffington Post, and an author. Jen started her career in 1992 as an assistant to Aaron Spelling, who served as her mentor for 12 years. She quickly climbed the ranks and eventually ran current programs at Spelling Television, Inc., covering all of Spelling's shows, including Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place, and Charmed. In 2008, Jen launched her consultancy so she could help writers break into the industry by giving the same attention and mentorship that she had received. Welcome, Jen. Ah, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Great to have you because I am all about this story, you know, this personal narrative, the ones that we tell that are mythology and yes. the ones that we get to create that become our new reality. Right. I, I, I am as well. I think the narrative, certainly looking at everything going on in the political arena right now is huge. Yes. Oh my gosh. There is huge moving making going yes. on in America, people. There is. <laughs> <laughs> and we see the significance of the narrative. Yes, we do. How can story tools change our lives? You know, I mean, when you say art, fiction imitates life, life, life is our I'm totally messing up on this saying right now, but um, uh, life imitates art. And, and when you look at that, it really is what I do with my writers is I work with them on developing their emotional story and doing the emotional work on their personal story so that they have 
uh, emotional truth to draw from in their fiction writing. And Change Your Story, Change Your Life is really about teaching people how to utilize story tools. So it's kind of the reverse. It's, it's people looking at story and going, okay, in every great story, you're going to have a trigger incident or inciting incident that's going to push the central character into a dilemma and then they are going to define a goal and then they are going to take action and hit obstacles and the stakes are going to be raised and then eventually they will achieve the goal. So when you look at the hero's journey and you think about if we could just start applying that to our own lives and if we could look at every goal that we set as something that truly has the potential to being attained and we set forth putting the right actions in place, knowing that we're going to hit obstacles along the way and also because of our knowledge of story, knowing that uh, where there's a well, there's a way and we can get over those obstacles. So that's really what came to me in life. Like after, in my own life, I had experienced an all is lost moment that happens in story right before the central character takes an action to achieve the goal. And in recognizing how when I applied story tools to my own life, when I was starting my own business, Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., and seeing the positive outcome that I got from approaching story, my own narrative, in this way, this is what inspired me to write the book. I want to just go back to something you said about the hero's journey and um, add a little bit of information for our listeners, because I what I hear you talking about is Joseph Campbell's present um, premise of the monomyth, that there exists a basic structure that occurs in all cultures that is a roadmap for the cycle of life. Yes. And in knowing that, and I think this is the cool part of, of what you are doing, in knowing that there exists this roadmap and there are these steps that we all take in our lives that match the movie and TV programs and films that we watch because they are projections of, of us, that we know what can come next. We know what to look for. We may not know the exact circumstance, but we're, we're forewarned by these, by these stops along the way. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, like we can't, you don't want to say like, you know, life, first of all, life uh, reflects art, but life is certainly like, I, I always tell my writers, don't write from an autobiographical place because, you know, even though we have elements of um, the story points in our own life, our own life doesn't happen in this like hour long segment where we're going to hit all of those story points. So I, I think it's really recognizing, you know, the beauty of understanding the emotional truth and the ability to add fiction to that truth when you're writing is, you know, is how writers do it. And I think in life, it's just pulling from, you know, stories that we know where the hero has a triumphant achievement and we know that they hit an all is lost moment that may mirror something that we're going through and thematically they may explore you know questions and and have debates that are similar to debates we have in our own life and again I think by by knowing that the hero uh, achieves the goal it does help to motivate us in our own lives and I think it's important to say that the hero resides in each one of us. That Absolutely. It is, it's the job of the story mm -hmm. to bring that hero to life. And it's also, I totally agree with you. It, it, we, are, we are the author of our life and we are the hero that is driving our story. And so we have to really look at what kind of hero are we. Are we an active hero, which is the type of hero you want to aspire to be? 
or are we in a passive hero um, that maybe fell victim to an all is lost moment and became stuck. And so then we are reacting to things instead of actively going after something. And the reactivity can be the perception that we are slaying dragons, that we're meeting monsters. So it is, it is reacting to life yes. as opposed to um, actively pursuing and creating it. Yes. And th those are the two different paradigms. And, and both are truth, aren't they? Yes, both are truth. And I think there are moments in our lives, certainly when we go after tremendous loss, whether it's death, whether it's divorce, whether it's, you know, any type of loss of friendship or job, loss of job, any type of life shift. We, I think, you know, in the beginning, we need to heal. So I, I think there's a value in becoming the type of hero that needs to heal before launching into action and needs to, you know, take inventory of, of what you want. I mean, I think the biggest thing in the hero's journey always is what does a central character want and really identifying that in an external way as well as an internal way. Yeah. And when we talk about what the hero wants in, in a traditional sense, are you really talking about the, the Holy Grail, that sort of inanimate object or thing that the hero brings back to the tribe, the learnings of the yes. journey? Yes, exactly right. Like with the external, there's a quantifiable outcome. There's a physical outcome that we're going to see achieved in the last act in the internal is how we understand why the hero wants what they want yeah and and what you're what you are helping people discover through your book change your story change your life a path to success is it, it's it's kind of a dual track is what i'm hearing that you're helping um writers Right. Own their craft, but you're helping yes. anybody that wants to heal an aspect of their story or their journey, a roadmap for doing so. Exactly. I love how you coined that. That is so perfect. I think, you know, the intention behind the book was, it certainly is a compliment to my prior book, Storyline, Finding Gold in Your Life Story, which is all about adding fiction to your truth and mainly geared toward the writer. And the difference in change your story, change your life is that it applies to the storyteller. No matter what type of storyteller you are, you could be, and we're all storytellers. So it really is moving into a broader market of the individual person who wants a stronger understanding of healing from their own personal story, as well as an understanding of how to tell their story. Yeah. And this is a different kind of self-help. It's deep. Yeah. It's um, self-directed. Yes. It doesn't require a witness. Right. You're absolutely right. And um, it's free. Yes. B besides buying the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think, you know, and I, I really think that when we take away the fear and when we recognize that the life process is full of all is lost moments and and the gift is i think a large part of my intention in my biggest uh all is lost moments it shifted me in a more positive direction and a direction that i needed to go that i wouldn't have gone unless I got the nudge from the universe. So I think it's really embracing the idea that when we're in these moments, we think they're the worst thing that can happen. Yet, uh, for me, you know, take for example, one uh, all is lost moment was when after 15 years with two sister companies, uh, my contract wasn't picked up. 
Jen, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought because we're going to need to go to a break and then come back. And I want to hear this all is lost moment because it's really important and and, and helpful for our listeners to really see it in action or hear it in action. We're going to go to a break. To learn more about Jen Crisanti and her work and her book, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, A Path to Success, please visit Jen GrisantiConsultancy.com. On Facebook, that page is Jen Grisanti Consultancy Inc. On Pinterest, we've got um, Gris and J. That's G R I S A N J E. And on Twitter, that handle is Jen Grisanti. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us, we are talking with Jen Grisanti about her book, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, A Path to Success. We're talking about approaching wholeness and perspective shifting through the power of the personal narrative. And before I so rudely cut you off, Jen, you were talking about one of your all is, lo- all is lost moments, and I'd love for you to pick up that story. Oh, of course. So the all is lost really is the basis in, of the intention behind the book, which is to show storytellers how you can take a negative life turn and push it into a positive new direction. And an example that I gave, which I think certainly will apply to many, many people, is that after 15 years with two sister companies, uh, my contract wasn't picked up. So I had to deal with the loss of, if I'm not Jen Grisanti, the studio executive, and at that point I was vice president at CBS Paramount, then what is my identity? And that all is lost moment led me into the healing process that we talked about earlier, where, you know, I went to places like Esalen in Big Sur and took a course called Completions and Transitions. And then uh, I really rejuvenated and defined and did the emotional work on the loss and then created my own company, which is Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc. And, and really what I did and, and what I work with entrepreneurs on uh, in the telling of their story who read Change Your Story, Change Your Life as, as a way to understand what it is, is identifying your dilemma that is involved in your loss and linking that to the dilemma of the client that you want. So really understanding how your service can fill the void for the client and, and understanding what their all is lost moment may, might have been. So it's really looking at all these, these life moments that are story tools uh, that happen in story. And when they happen in our real life, recognizing that when we turn to story tools to understand how to put a roadmap in place, a, a story arc 
in place so that we can achieve the goal. This is what it is all about. I am thinking about a quintessential hero's journey that really illustrates, I believe, what you're talking about. A couple come to mind, but the one is The Wizard of Oz. And this is Mm -hmm. one that's always brought up in terms of Dorothy no longer being in Kansas. She's thrust from the, the home that she knows into the land of Oz. And her only goal is to find her way back home. But there are all of these trials and tribulations and steps that must occur in order for her to come to know that she had all the tools, inner tools and resources all along to get home simply yes. by c- clicking her heels. Yes. That's, that's very, yes. That, that's an excellent example of a story. And it's a s- simple just, one. <laughs> yes. It is a simple one, but it's one we all know. And that's why, you know, when you look at, I, I think a large part of what I work with people on with their story is really seeing story differently. Like when we, when we feel story and understand story, but we don't have a clear sense of like one, what some of the story points or story tools are. For example, a story tool um, that I work with writers on is what is the personal dilemma that connects with the professional pursuit in the story? So say, for example, on a show like The Good Wife, Alicia's uh, breadwinner, Peter, goes to jail when her husband goes to jail for a sex scandal. So we know that her personal dilemma is she has to bring security back to her family. So we know every time she hits an obstacle, what's at stake is bringing security back to her family. So understanding that in our own lives, like how does our personal dilemma connect to our pursuit and what is the worst that can happen if we don't achieve the goal and using that for fuel to motivate us toward the goal. I love what you said, just said about, you know, using this for fuel because so often uh, you hear people talk about the fear, the fear of stepping into the unknown, of crossing the threshold, you know, using Joseph Campbell's terms from the ordinary world to the extraordinary world. And being so terrified to do so. And then there is that inciting event or the all is lost situation that catapults them there. They can yes. no longer hang on to the life they were living. Yes. And, you, and that's where like the nudge for me was to open my own business. And now my business is eight years old. I've worked with over 800 writers. I've had 40 writers sell pilots. I've spoken all over the world. I ended up meeting the love of my life as a result of it at one of the um, functions, at one of the events that I was speaking at. So it's really, you know, looking at how what we think is the worst thing that could happen could be the best thing that happens. And I think that is the beauty of this journey is that that's where the magic happens. Yes, it is. And I think, like, if I could... And I believe, like since the caveman days, that that's what our job in life is. Our job is to experience our story, go through our highs and lows. When we go through a major fall, to gain the tools that it takes to rise up from that and to move forward. And then our our responsibility is to pass that on to people who are going to go through similar life situations. And, And that's what story is all about. And this is something that I think has been lost in the past. It, it's coming, becoming more and more popular. I mean, you hear like The Moth, for example, um, is a, a, a great project where people come and tell story you know, and they sort of throw their, their name in the fishbowl. And if it's pulled out, they get up in front of an audience and they've got a few minutes to sort of lay it out there, you know? Yes. Um, this, I think this is terrific because it, it tests us, it challenges us to pull the best parts of ourself out into the open. Absolutely. And to recognize that our pain is there for a reason. If we can, and if we can learn to use our pain in a positive way to fuel us forward toward a new goal, then we can start to recognize that our all is lost moments are a gift. I, I agree. So what's next for you? What are you going to do with this book? Are you taking it on the road to do workshops? What's, 
Oh yeah, no, this book, uh, this book is definitely, um, it, it, I'm using it to expand my business because right now my business is, uh, I work, uh, the majority of my work is with filmmakers and television writers. And a large part of what my message is, is for the entrepreneur, the solopreneur to really understand how to sell and tell their stories. So this book is being used as a platform to open up story to all storytellers as well as the individual who just wants to have an understanding of how to heal from their own story. Well, you say something very interesting about the the solopreneur or to for using it in business. I remember many years ago, and this was when Robert McKee seminar held seminars public. You know, they were real yes. live seminars. Now I don't know if the, if he even does them. Oh, in he. Person. Oh, yeah, he does. Uh, I mean, I, I know they're online, yeah. but he, but he's still yeah. doing them live. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I went I, to one like two years ago. Yep. Oh, they're fabulous. I mean, mm-hmm. I took one like 15 years ago and I, I learned so much and I am not a screenwriter. I'm not a, I do write, but I don't right. write um, fiction. But right. I found that what he shared and what I learned about the power of story, that weaving the tapestry of humanity, you know, through this very tribal, ancient process. Yes. It, is a healing yes. be so life affirming absolutely it, no go I ahead think, yeah i think it, it is it, it is life affirming it's really recognizing that we we can achieve whatever we set our mind to achieve as long as we have a strategy and an action plan in play yeah what about our emotional truth you know the um the fearlessness required and the courage required to step forth authentically, emotionally transparent. And how do you convey that to someone? I believe that our emotional truth has more power than anyone knows. And, and if we, our emotional truth is what connects us to our audience. So uh, you know, I use my emotional truth in my seminars all the time. And as soon as I tell people about my two all is lost moments that go into the emotional truth, suddenly I, they understand me because they understand those moments. Many people are not going to understand vice president of current programming. Aaron Spelling was a mentor for 12 years. She grew up in, uh, in, in, I mean, grew up in the system of the studio world. That's outside of most people's realm of knowledge. But when you say, you know, I went through a long relationship that ended in a short marriage and I lost my job after 15 years with two sister companies in the middle of a pursuit and yeah. people identify with that. When you look at someone like Obama, who who talked about humility and talked about in his powerful speech about where he went wrong, and about and about the idea of it's about going out there and trying, that was very emotionally revealing, and yes. it was great. The book is "Change Your Story, Change Your Life: A Path to Success" by Jen. Grisanti. To learn more, please visit jengrisanticonsultancy.com, on Facebook, Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., and on Twitter, that handle is at Jen Grisanti. Thank you, Jen. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my amazing guests today, Mark Nepo and Jen Crisanti, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with TogiNet and KBUU and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange. Go out and rock your day.
Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.